For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Vincenzo Fortino Giovanni Massaro. I've wrestled every single kind of style of professional wrestling, Lucha Libre, Japanese Strong Style, Hardcore. There is nobody, and I mean nobody, that's gonna get in that ring against me and beat me. Padre Fiyu Spiritu Santo, Viva Massaro. Thanks for checking out the Indie Handshake Wrestling Podcast. I am Paul Ponte. I am here with Vinny Massaro, uh, APW, Lucha Underground, Pro Wrestling Revolution, all kinds of stuff from here and there. Uh, big in the uh, early California indie scene in the 2000s. Vinny, how are we doing today? I'm doing good. Not too bad. Uh, enjoying a Sunday. Here it's Sunday. I'm at my uh, house. Just enjoying relaxing. Not too much going on. Very nice. Not going to uh, stir crazy with uh, the months of keeping at home or wearing masks anywhere or anything like that? No. Um, no, I'm not going too crazy. I have a regular job, so I I actually pretty much I have to go and work every day. So I'm, I'm deemed essential. Oh, there so, you go. So I, uh, I, I'm actually pretty much outside all the time. So on the weekends, dude. On the weekends, although I stay home mostly because I don't think it's, you know, I don't want to go and, uh, you know, if I don't have to be out, I don't want to go out. I'd rather stay home. Uh, plus, plus there's, uh, you know, plus there's more, um, you know, there's, there's a lot more things happening right now in, in, in where we live. Uh, there's a lot of people just trying to be, I don't know if it's defiant, I guess, or. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There, there's there's people trying to go out and doing all the stuff, and I'd rather stay home. Yeah. Not not everyone is is take is keeping the, you know the how do I say this you know without being political. Every, everyone's minding their own business, uh, and then just doing whatever they want. A lot of times when they're being defiant, uh, mm-hmm. because you know because it's not they think it does, they think it's more of a political stance instead of a health issue. Yeah. So. Unfortunately, we have. I'm in the middle of it, so I see people getting upset and trying to do this and trying to do that. So I'm just like, I'm just at this point, I'm just kind of staying home and avoiding the whole situation as much as I have to. Yeah, don't expose yourself more than necessary for work and all that. Exactly. Well, I think it's a good time now to start into how you got into wrestling. What kind of wrestling did you like when you were a kid? What made you want to be a wrestler? And how did you find out about independent wrestling? Because I always find that's something, you know, not really, really what people do is they tend to go through the, they watch the WWF or WWE, CWCW or whatever. And then all of a sudden they're like, there's such a thing as independent wrestling. What is that? So how yeah. did you, how did you come across all this? Uh, you know, I, you know, I, 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 uh, I watched or when I was younger, watched a lot of uh, Japanese wrestling, um, you know, when I, uh, back in Italy, you know, they would have New Japan Pro Wrestling play. Uh, they would show on the, like, Saturday night, Saturday morning cartoons. They would show the Tiger Mask cartoon. And then, and then after that, they would show uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. So that's why I started becoming a fan of New Japan. Um, 
but then when I came to America, you know, uh, pretty much the re- the main thing about wrestling was, um, you know, WWF, and I was I didn't like it. You know, it was a little bit a little bit too much over the top, and you know, not not kind of my style. So I started leaning towards more towards NWA, WCW. But I think around uh, once I got to high school, pretty much I kind of stopped watching wrestling altogether. Uh, this was about you know ninety ninety three, ninety four, ninety five kind of stopped watching wrestling. Uh, and then uh, maybe senior year, I started, uh, a buddy of mine started um, uh, watching uh, ECW just because, you know, it was blowing up and it was like an internet craze. And, you know, mm-hmm. this, this was around like 96, 90, early 97. Uh, they started, you know, uh, ECW was kind of being like the underground message boards and, uh, a buddy of mine kind of just found out about it and um, through the message boards and we started getting tape trading, we started doing, uh, you know, for, for just to watch ECW. So we were just, just watching ECW and that was it. Uh, and then, you know, obviously when you go into message boards and try to find out about ECW, because you can't just, you know, there wasn't anything the like how it is now where you can just, you know, go on Twitter and find out, find gifts or videos, you kind of had to do some research and go to the AOL grandstand and all the message boards. And then we, you know, we started doing tape trading and then we started realizing that there's something called indie wrestling, which I didn't know about. And then I realized that there was a a school, uh, you know, down at, you know, in Hayward. Uh, And then we went down because I remember it was the very first uh, Jim Wars show that they were doing. It was on a, uh, a Sunday, like afternoon. And, uh, I went down to APW cause you know, uh, you know, they were hyping it up as, you know, similar to like ECW and be like that kind of stuff. So we went to watch it and then, you know, we talked to Roland, of course, Roland, Roland being Roland, you know, he, he tried to set us up to, uh, become pro wrestlers and mm-hmm. the rest is, the rest is kind of history after that. Yeah. Would you like to train? Here's a contract. Make sure you keep paying. <laughs> yeah. Would you like you could be a pro wrestler? It's like, yeah, just sign here and then, you know, don't worry about it. I was like, sure. And then all of a sudden you're like, Holy shit. It's a it's a lot of money. And uh <laughs> you owe the, you owe this man a lot of money for a long period of time. But yeah, that's a different that's a that's for a whole different story. So did you uh consciously when you started because I remember, you know, you were the you know, the innovator. Uh, for me, like I, I was, uh, I was a big, uh, indie mark for you because you used a lot of moves that a lot of guys didn't use. Uh, so did that transfer over from watching, starting off watching Japan when you were younger? Yeah. From what a lot of it was from watching Japan. And then a lot of it was, um, because yeah. So, okay. So most, a lot of it is from watching Japan because I watched a lot of, uh, all Japan pro wrestling and I watched a lot of, uh, all Japan women's, uh, so you know, that came, that's where it came from. Cause the, you know, right. When you watch that, those kind of promotions, you know, your, your brain starts spinning, you know what I mean? You're, you start thinking about other moves. And then the other half is that I play a lot of video games and, uh, tech and tag, you know, street fighter, um, mortal Kombat, And I kind of started getting moves from that. Like I would take, you know, I would play video games and stuff like that. And, and I was just like, you know what? I wonder if I could actually do that in a ring. 
without completely murdering somebody. <laughs> um, and I, that's what I would usually try to, you know, go back. And, but, you know, if, cause I, because I was always, you know, every day I was, you know, get up and always think about pro wrestling. So like everything, you know what I mean? Like I would see, like watch like a Kung Fu movie, Jackie Chan or whoever. And I was like, oh, I bet you I could do that in a pro wrestling ring. You know, I mean, I, I, rem- I remember just watching, you know, football and seeing a guy, you know, tackle someone. I was like, oh, I bet you I can do that into this and do that. And, you know, even to this day, I still do that. You know, I watch UFC or amateur, you know, just even just grappling and I could do this. Oh, I can do that into a pro wrestling, make it cooler or whatever. Yeah, I really thought, uh, you know, I, I went through like ebbs and flows. You know, when you're a kid, you're like, you watch, well, you watch Jap- Japanese wrestling. You were ahead of the curve. But for me, like I watched, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan and stuff when I was a kid and I was like, this is the best thing ever. And then right. I went like, I went like all the way the other way where I was like, if you did a simple suplex, I was like, ah, bullshit. You need to do something better than that. You know what I mean? Then I turned, I went full, uh, you know, you have to do the craziest moves ever to win me over. Now right. I'm like, now I'm like balanced in the middle as you should be. But, um, what did you, uh, did you find that some people maybe that were a little bit more traditional that you went up against, especially in the beginning that they were a little bit hesitant to be like, you're going to drop me on my neck in which way now? Yeah, for sure. There was, I mean, that was by far, you know, when I first, you know, coming out, it was, it was very rough because everyone didn't, because a, a lot of, back then in the indies, you know, it was, a, it was a lot of guys that, that were wrestling, you know, at that time, they became pro wrestlers because they, they grew up watching Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan. So for them to, you know, if, if you're a fan and if, you know, if all you watch is WWF, you know, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Honky Tonk Man, and then you start wrestling, well, you know, your finisher is going to be an elbow drop or, you know, just something simple. So when, you know, when I come out and it's like, I want to do this, this, and this, and they're like, what the hell are you talking about? That's crazy. You know, no. That's, so it was a lot, of, a lot of people were just, you know, they didn't have, they didn't want, they didn't want anything to do with it. But, uh, you know, I got lucky because when I was there, I had uh, Vic Grimes, uh, me and Vic Grimes trained a lot and we were always, you know, Vic's crazy mofo. So, yeah, so me and him, you know, so that was, I got lucky for that. Then I also got lucky that, uh, uh, there was a lot of people that were starting to watch stuff. And I know Crash Holly was one, he, you know, he was wanting to watch, you know, he, me and him were always watching, uh, like Michinook Pro and, and stuff like that. And, uh, I remember, uh, but I think that the two main people that helped me, um, on that aspect, probably like Boyce Legrand and uh, Jardy France. There were the two, those two guys where they, uh, you know, when I wrestled them, it was just kind of like, all right, I do this, well, you do this. You know, it was we were always trying to outdo each other in the in the ring, and you know, I, I think that's one of the main reasons why, I, you know, I I got so popular in you know back then in the late '90s and early 2000s because of guys like that. Yeah, especially when you got a guy that's like really uh, slender and like flexible, then like you can really manipulate them in a move that makes it look even more devastating. Right, and at the same time, you know, it's uh, um, you know, they, they did the same thing. You know, they were I was a good base for them, and they would, you know, they would do a lot of high flying, and I would catch them. So it was a good match back and forth, and we we would have. 
How did you find that the indies changed over the years, especially to now? Uh, how are workers? How do they act? What, what, what's like the big differences for you? Uh, I think the major difference from now till back then is that um, uh, the there's it's uh you know it's just like anything. It's just I think it's more it's oversaturated, um, and uh, there there's so much. Uh, you know, it's just like the, the, you know, just like WWE right now. There's so much uh, wrestlers out and about that uh, everything is, you know, they speak through everything. Uh, not, I'm not necessarily saying in the ring. I'm saying in their training. Uh, you know, there's, I, like, there's way too many guys that uh, now they have a ring or they have a building or anything, and they're pretty much, they open it up. Uh you know, I know, like I know guys that have gone through like a two month program of training and then they quit, but first, you know, they get a ring, they have money to buy a ring and then just start training themselves based on those two months. And then they start training other people. Um, mm. But unfortunately, you know, unfortunately the bad problem when that happens is there's bad, uh, bad training just keeps trickling down. Uh, you know, bad habits to just keep trickling down because that person trained these people. Well, five years later, these people that got trained by that one person, they're training now and they're just going to, you know, they keep going down. It's, it's um, back when I was uh, training, there was maybe, I think in Northern California, there was two, two schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and the reason for that is not because they, they, they weren't guys that, didn't have rings or didn't have a place is because they were like, okay, well, you know, he's, he's a, this guy is really good and he's a trainer. So, you know, they're not just going to go down to this, you know, this other guy that just got a ring. Uh, and because it wasn't allowed, you know, but now I think it's just free for all and anybody does whatever they want. Um, and no, nobody's going to speak out on it and tell them that you, they can't do that because that same guy, he's going to end up, uh, booking booking a show, and you know I think guys are too afraid to to talk back to these people because they're afraid to lose bookings. Uh, because somewhere along I think somewhere along the line it became it didn't become uh, a point where you know I'm a good wrestler because I have good matches. It became a point. Oh, this guy is a good wrestler because he wrestles. 10 times a month or something mm. like that. You know what I mean? Uh, and I think that's the problem is that people started, people started uh, taking amounts of bookings uh, or just, you know, you know, followers on Twitter and views on whatever as, Oh, that guy is a, must be a really good wrestler. Mm. So I think that's the issue. Wow. And uh, I mean, but then the other side of the coin of that is, I mean, I'm sure you would have killed at the time when you were when you started out for like a platform like Twitter that was so easily engageable with people. Sure. No, no. It's, I'm not saying Twitter is, is, is bad. Uh, that kind of is. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. I'm not I'm not saying it's a bad thing to market yourself by all means. Yeah. But I think you also need to, you know deliver in the ring yeah uh, I, th- I think a lot of people are, are just kind of like oh this guy's a good wrestler he goes why because well he has eight thousand followers it's like okay yeah. well what's his 
okay, fine. He, he is, oh, this guy's my favorite wrestler. But why? Oh, because he's so engageable. Uh, that's even a word. You know, he's very engaging on social media. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, cool. What's, his, what's your favorite match with him? Oh, I can't think of one right now. You know, it's like you got to be able to do both. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just don't like, I don't understand why some wrestlers only uh, choose one or the other. Yeah. Like it's not, it's, it, you know, it shouldn't be that difficult to do both. It's like, what's your favorite match he has? Well, I saw this gif online of him yeah. suplexing a guy through a chair and it was pretty dope. So, yeah. Yeah. Why is he your favorite wrestler? Oh, well, because he, you know, he, he, he makes funny videos on, on, on online it's like cool which one's your favorite match oh i haven't even seen him <laughs> i've never seen him wrestle I'm like okay but you know more power to them but you know any see that's the thing is back then it was you know it's just like in back then it was anything to get you in your foot in the door so twitter is able to get twitter social media instagram whatever you use that's you know that's being helping you to getting your foot on the door but it doesn't mean just because you get one foot in the door, it doesn't mean you're going to get longevity. You know what I mean? There's plenty yeah. of guys. There's plenty of guys that are like, oh, man, remember that one guy that, you know, that, you know, got booked? Yeah, what happened to him? It's like, well, he started having matches. And then they realized, shit, you can't, you know, you, it's, you, know you can't just keep doing, you know, the same things. You know what I mean? You got to actually deliver in the ring. Because at the end of the day, you know, pro wrestling is, pro wrestling is still – Everything still happens in the ring. You still got to deliver in the ring. Yeah, it's like, uh, it reminds me of, I've gone to see a couple of times when uh, wrestlers have decided to do stand-up. And uh, I'll say this, the, uh, the star power, the, uh, you know, the fact that you're seeing this guy lasts for about a minute. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. After that, it's like, you got you to actually do it, you know? Yeah, you actually got to do stand-up now, guy. Like, you got to be funny. <laughs> it doesn't work. So, like, I, that's kind of like a correlation to what you're saying. Like, yeah, the social media will get you the eyes, but okay, now you gotta now you gotta actually wrestle a guy. You realize that at some point, right? You got you get you. It's still pro wrestling. Yeah. Like you know, yeah, you you got your foot in the door. You're getting you know you got booked because of it, but if you go in the ring and you shit the bed, you're not gonna get another booking out of it. Exactly. So. The years you spent at APW, eventually uh, APW, some of the guys split off into PWI uh, after the the King of Indies. It was a whole, you know, big thing to do in the NorCal wrestling scene. Uh, what's your take on it as far as what happened? And how did you feel about, you know, leaving a place that you were you were at for so many years? Um, well, see, I, I have kind of a, I'm kind of a weird, uh, I was like right in the middle of that thing. Which is weird because I right after King of Indies, um, my wife, she got pregnant. So what I ended up doing after King of Indies, I took about a year off from wrestling. I just I wasn't doing I wasn't at APW, nor I was at at uh, you know Pro Wrestling Iron. Um, so I just took the I just took completely I was just all done. I didn't wrestle, I didn't do anything. And then at that time, I remember Mike Modest, who's my trainer. He called me. He's like, hey, listen, I opened up my own thing. We're going to have like an open house. Do you want to like, just come by and say hi? And I was like, sure. So I went by, said hi. You know, because, you know, if you're a pro wrestler, you have your trainer. That's going to, you know, you have, you kind of have a, a special bond with that person. So, you know, for me, you know, Mike called me. I went down there. 
just to say hi. I wasn't going to, like, wrestle or anything. And then I remember they took a picture with all the people there, and I was in there. And then, of course, you know, but it wasn't like I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't wrestle for any of their shows. I didn't do any of that. And then I remember I went to, uh, to APW to, to uh, talk to Roland because I wanted to show him a picture of my son. And then Roland was like, oh, you're not allowed in the building. You know, it's like, oh, I don't know. It's like, you know, I shook, I stuck, stuck my, um, you know, put my hand out and he like didn't even shake my hand, he, like pushed me away. Cause he he thought I was with Iron, but I told him I wasn't there, so I left, you know. And I just and I pretty much didn't go to APW. I didn't go to Iron, but I think Mike and Donovan, you know, they they uh, they wanted to do it because you know at that time they were getting all these all the success, but Roland was you know taking all. I don't say he was he was taking all the the glory from him, but he. He felt like Roland felt like he was the reason why, which which he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, if anyone knows Roland, if he thinks he's the reason why you're a success or you're popular, then he demands money. So I think that became kind of ugly for it. And then Mike and Don were just like, you know what? You know, we're we're not gonna take it, and it just they split up. Uh. You know, the people went with who, and uh, I think there was a lot of people that were just mad at Roland for all the years of him. You know, because Roland wasn't the nicest person as everyone. If anyone's ever been in APW, you, you knew Roland was, you know, wasn't the, you know, the, the nicest person to people. He was, because he can get away with it, because you know he was. There was there wasn't any any other places you can go, so he was mean, and so a lot of people, a lot of people left, and some people that that wanted to come back came back. So it was just, it was a weird time, but uh, you know, I'm glad I took a year off with, uh, you know, got a chance to, uh, you know, s- s- you know, figure out my work situation, figure out pretty much everything for my son. So, and my, my family. So I'm glad I did that. Yeah. You kind of got to skip the, uh, the major drama. I, yeah, uh, I missed a lot of it. I missed a lot of it, but, and then when I came, I tried to come back. And honestly, I did go back. You know, I tried going calling Roland, but Roland wasn't having it. Um, he pretty much was telling me that I was, you know, like I turned my back on him, and I and I was like, all right, well then, guess I'm going. I guess I'm going to go go to Progressing Iron. But yeah. I mean, it was, it, I don't know. It was, it was, it was really a weird time at that at that at that moment. And uh, why do you think Iron failed? As far as, I mean, it wasn't like they weren't putting on great matches. They were trying to have good production value. Like, where do you think it went wrong? Uh, I mean, I just think it, it was it was impossible for, you know, because I think Mike Modest was the, the only person that could make Iron happen. And he was gone. He had his own family, you know, because he, you know, he had kids. At, you know, he, he, you know, his wife at the time. Had, you know, she got pregnant, so he had a family. Plus, he was in Japan a lot, you know. Uh, and unfortunately, so, you know, so what he did, he ended up, you know, he tried to have other people help him out. And those people weren't into it because, you know, if you know anything about small business, you know, a, sm- a small business, the the only one that's going to make it work is you. You know what I mean? It's not, 
you know, you can't, you can't run a small business and be like, Hey, I'm going to hire you. You do all the work and run my small business. Well, no, you know what I mean? If you if you open up a small business, you're the owner, you're, you know, whatever it is, you're the cook, you're the employee, you know, you're everything. And unfortunately those guys were busy doing, you know, Mike was busy doing his own thing, which, you know, I don't blame. So, and, you know, and then the other people that were, that they were there to help weren't into it as much as he was. So that's one, I think one of the main reasons why it failed. Mm. And uh, is there anyone from back then that you saw them, the way they worked, uh, anyone you were in the ring with that you thought, man, any day now, you know, a WCW, a WWF, an ECW even, or someone is going to pick this dude up. This dude's amazing, blah, 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 but it just never happened. Um, like, uh, like as far back as before, um, I always thought, you know, I always thought boys, uh, you know, well, okay. Originally I always thought Robert Thompson was going to be that guy, uh, to get picked up somewhere. And I'm, I'm still shocked and it never did, but I always thought Robert Thompson was going to be, uh, picked up. Then other than that, I thought, um, possibly boys, you know, was going to, was going to get picked up too, but you know, he got, uh, you know, you know, he, he, you know, he had some issues with, you know, that he quit for a little bit. Uh, but I think the one that stands out the most, uh, probably out of the, the newer ish, the newer generation, probably Oliver John, uh, mm-hmm. when he wrestled at iron, I, I always thought he was, you know, extremely good. And I always thought he, you know, he could have, you know, I, I, I you know, he could probably work any, any promotion, you know, WWF, WCW, but I mean, now honestly, who knows anymore? Because there's people that I I see, like in the Indies, and I'm like, oh my god, that guy's gonna make a million dollars. He's you know he's got it all, and he wrestles in WWE for like a week, and then he gets fired. So I don't I don't get it anymore. Yeah. I don't, who knows what the issue is? There's a lot of I think the problem too with wrestling is that a lot of guys like that is um their backstage demeanor or their behavior gets you know makes you know just kills it for them and you know unfortunately and you know like i said we don't know what's going on with that, with that person backstage or anything like that mm-hmm. yeah there was a like for me i know i mean not not to diss on his ring work at all because i i always thought he was a good worker but like el generico becoming Sami Zayn and then being in the wwe i never would have saw coming in a million years and yet right. he fits in perfectly there and it's it's crazy like sometimes you think like this person would be perfect and they they completely you know, lose that, lose it there. And then sometimes people show up and you're like, what a surprise. I mean, you know, you remember, uh, from the, the APW King Indies time, uh, would you ever think seeing American dragons promos that he would ever be in the WWE? <laughs> no, not at all. Like, like out of all those guys, like I would have thought AJ Styles would have gotten picked up way, way sooner than he ever did. Um, you know what I mean? Like Doug Williams, like how the hell did Doug Williams never, you know, never go to, like I know he went to TNA for a bit, but I mean he should have been a major star from the very beginning. You know what I mean? Like people, yeah. stuff, like stuff like that. I'm like I don't get it. Like I don't. But you know it is what it is. I mean I can't. I don't know. It's all you know. WWE is a weird place anyway. There's just too much politics and stuff. So you know you never know. It's like why is it? You know you you, you might think why is this, why is this guy not in WWE? And it's like well he had a tryout and you know he rubbed one of the people wrong and now he's they're not going to hire him stuff. You know, you just hear stories like that. It doesn't make sense, but yeah, it's the way it goes. Pro wrestling is weird. 
Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, later on in your career, you decided to start getting into doing some Lucha. So how did that come about? Uh, what was the reason behind it? Just, you know, and how is it different than the style you were working before? Um, you know, honestly, I, I, uh, I never wanted to get into Lucha. I always, when I first started, I thought it was, wasn't that good of a style. I thought it was, it looked terrible, but then I started doing some more research on it. And, and, uh, you know, there was a, there's a, a individual that, um, I've, I've known for a long time in Gabe Ramirez. He started a promotion called Pro Wrestling Revolution. And, uh, he, uh, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do it because it was lucha but then i started you know looking into it and doing more research and i realized that lucha is more you know if you see the good wrestlers the good lucha wrestlers the good luchadors you see there's a lot of uh submission style there's you know this thing called yavis which is keys and key locks and you know and it's a lot more ground submissions and locks and holds which i love and i started getting into it and you know i, I so once once i realized what it was and you know if you can get trained by really good people i decided to get trained in lucha that's and I, what was the biggest learning curve as far as going lucha style oh my god there's so many there's so much just you know just learning that it's honestly keeping your mind open because uh, you know with in pro wrestling there's such rules like you got to do this 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 lucha is more free it's more freestyle like you, you want you want to do it from the left side do it from the left side you want to do it from the right side do it from the right side it's like you want to do this this just just do it you know pro wrestling is more like oh no when you, you know hip toss is this arm this this leg here this leg here you know one two three steps turn you know it's lucha is just just do whatever you want make you know which it's, it's a lot it's a lot cooler when you realize it when you look at it that at that perspective, it's a lot cooler and it's a lot easier and, you know, it's a lot more fun. Mm. Feels a lot, sounds like it's a lot more like improv as opposed to like regular comedy. You're like, exactly, you kind of yeah. like on the fly, do what you want to do. Exactly. But it's, but it's cool. It's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to explain, but I enjoy it now. Now, now that I realize what it is, it's, it's, I love it. I, you know, I feel, yeah. I feel stupid. I feel stupid not wanting to do it for so long. And how would you compare, uh, you know, Part of part of wrestling is working the crowds and you know in different ways, whether it's in the ring or on ringside or when you're coming out, whatever. How would you compare the you know the regular crowds to the lucha crowds and what are the differences? Uh, the lucha crowds are are way more into it. Um, they're and they're and they're feisty. They're definitely feisty. They they let you they let you know if you suck and they let you know if you're good. So. You know, and if you have a good lucha crowd, it's pretty nuts. They 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 do get pretty crazy. So, um, but and at the same time, they're very respectful. They do respect the wrestlers, and they respect the wrestlers that are actually putting, you know, their bodies on their bodies on the line. So they're on they're on disrespect, like how you know Americans are like, oh, you suck, blah blah, you know, you you messed up or whatever, you know. In in lucha, it's you know they still respect you for even trying the move. That makes any sense. So there's no Spanish you fucked up chant. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure there is. I just, I don't. I mean, they they whistle. It, uh, it, I I think, but they don't they don't whistle for like mess ups. They whistle if you do something like cheap or you know or you know if you cheat. You know, it's it's okay. it's it. You know, it's 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 interesting. I like it though. 
I think I noticed this with the I don't know how much AEW you watch. I think it's I think it's a, based on your Twitter. You watch it pretty regularly. Uh, one thing I noticed, and I love I love the way they run stuff. But we were talking about crowds, and sometimes the crowds because they're kind of you know the smart marquee crowd is is a high proponent of people now. They're not doing the like you know someone does a crazy move and no one's standing up and like going crazy. They're kind of just like, Oh yeah. So mm. <laughs> like, and I don't know, do, do you think that's kind of like ruining the the experience of watching it like on TV to not see the crowd pop as much as they should be? Yeah. I mean, all these, uh, all the no crowd. And I mean, I'm, I know I get it that they have to have a program or on TV or else, you know, they lose their contract or whatever it is. And I get it. They have to run shows. But yeah, the, the the no crowd is is man, it's rough. It's really rough to watch it, you know. I mean, because you know that's the thing is I I've noticed that too that wrestlers, um, because there is a no no crowd, they're not they don't work the crowd as much. So I think a lot of the matches are um, are being rushed through, like their timing is a little bit off because there's no. They're not reacting, you know. It's like it's like it's like doing a, uh, you know, it's like doing a uh, a comedy bit and just running through it and not waiting for the crowd's reaction to it. Mm. You know, it's like you know, you know, you you know, the, the timing of of you know, you know, comedy is like pro wrestling. It's a lot of it of is timing. So if there's no crowd to react to, throws everything off in the match. So I've noticed that the, a lot of the timing on the matches are being rushed, or or the timing a little off because of the crowd. And there's no crowd. And uh, how do you, when you're wrestling, you know, when there actually is a crowd, uh, how do you, you know, adapt yourself to how the crowd's reacting? Like one example I was used is I was watching uh, on the WWE Network. I was watching uh, Conan versus Eddie Guerrero from. Uh, I forget which pay-per-view, but they were in like, you know, Tupelo, Mississippi. And they started off like super lucha because at the time Conan was still wearing his colorful, you know, stuff. Mm -hmm. And the crowd was not into it. And he was like, and you can kind of see the moment Conan's like, all right, let me, let me fix this. So then he starts putting in some harder shots. They start going a little bit more fast paced. And all of a sudden the crowd starts to get into it more. And then like he, they basically like saved the way the match was going by changing a little bit of their pace. So when you're in the ring, psych psychology wise, like how are you, how do you listen and adapt to what the crowd is doing? Yeah. I mean, you always going to do that. And, uh, you know, cause sometimes you, you know, you got to be able to read the crowd. Uh, you know, you got to be able to know what kind of crowd it is. If they want this and they want that. If the crowd's being quiet off of moves, I'm not just going to keep doing the same moves, you know, and expect to get a different reaction. So a lot of times if there's no reaction or if the crowd's dead or for whatever reason because of the earlier match or whatever whatever the reason may be, I change it up. You know, I start doing more strikes. Uh, you know, I go to the floor and I get the, you know, I get closer to the fans. That way they get a more reaction. Um, and then it works vice versa. If I go out there and, you know, I do a body slam and the crowd goes crazy, then you know what? I'm not going to do a suplex. I'm not going to do a power bomb because then they're just going to, you know, they're going to get tired. So, you know, if they're popping off a body slam, I'm just going to relax and, you know, work a little bit smarter. Uh, you, you, you gotta, you know, you gotta read the crowd, you know, it's just like anything, any, anything over a live audience, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you know, if you're, if you're doing a speech, if you're doing comedy, if you're doing, you know, if you're, performing anything on stage 
you got to react to your crowd. Okay. And uh, how did, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about training Lucha and all that. How did the gig with Lucha Underground come about? Uh, I had a tryout at Revolution. Uh, and then Conan was there. And at that time, it was just kind of like for, you know, this TV show that they didn't even know what it was going to be called. Uh, it was like AAA USA. That's what they said. But, you know, it ended up being Lucha Underground. I was like myself, Jeff Cobb, we're in there. Famous B was there. Uh, Willie Mack was there and Conan started, you know, that's, that's when I first met Conan and he liked my work. And then later on, I went down to the Lucha Underground tapings and Conan introduced me to all the the writers and pretty basically anybody that I needed to, you know, meet. And, um, you know, just, you know, one thing that led to another and then I got to, you know, pretty much they, you know, they saw something and they gave me a shot. And then once, uh, you know, they enjoyed my work and I got, I got a contract out of it, which is amazing. Yeah. Who would have thought? Who would have thought my my dumbass would be a lucha, be in a, get a, a lucha contract? Is that yeah? It's pretty crazy that like the most televised like thing of it was a lucha thing, based on how you thought about it, you know, before. Right. Exactly. But you know, that's what I'm saying. Shit happens in pro wrestling. You never know what's gonna happen. Yeah, that's the business, I guess. Right. Right. Uh, all right. So. um we got a little section here called uh, take it home. Uh, basically I got a bunch of questions to ask you. Uh, they can be a little bit more rapid fire, or if you feel like it prompts you to tell a story, feel free to do so. Feel free to digress. Not a big deal. Okay. What's your favorite move or hold that you've never used? That I've never used? Uh, probably uh, a shooting star press. Cause I can't do it. <laughs> um, but you did a moonsault though. I did a moon, so that's close enough. But I think I think shooting star press is, looks amazing. It's like the, it's like one of the most beautiful moves in pro wrestling. But I will never do it. There's no fucking way in hell I'll ever do it. Yeah, and there's like you know like a pack does the the black arrow or whatever where it's like you know you're yeah, doing like so many. I couldn't even imagine. I yeah. Like, I couldn't even pretend to do that. Maybe in a like in a big foam like pit or something. But there's yeah. just no freaking way I'm doing that in the ring. But even like something that complicated, I still think like a shooting star press is the more gorgeous move because it's just yeah. so fluid. And exactly. Yeah. Um, what's the craziest fan interaction you've had? Uh, I remember one time at an APW show. <laughs> it was actually kind of funny story. There was a, there was a, a, a you know, a, a, one of the like a, a worker that uh, what do you what do you call it for um, you know for our uh, you know, mentally ill patients, mm -hmm. I guess they were, uh, they were, uh, sh they brought in like a bunch of, you know, uh, uh, a bunch of, um, uh, how do I say it? Oh my God. I can't patients? think of it right now. Patients. Yeah. They brought in yeah. a bunch of patients you know, just to watch the wrestling show. And then I, uh, I got thrown out and two, two of the, the, you know, the, the, gen the, the guys, um, they threw um, hot coffee on me while I was out in the ring. So that was pretty crazy. What's uh, besides trying to hurt you? What's the worst thing someone can do when you're working with them in a match? Oh my gosh! Uh, not listen. Oh, and uh, would that just be like to how the match is supposed to go, or just they're every, not listening just, to what you yeah, want to do? Everything. Just trying, trying to, trying to make their own. You know, trying to do their own thing. And uh, does that happen often in wrestling or does it? Sometimes. Sometimes. 
sometimes it's just it's just when, when people they just want to go it, it call they call it a go into business for themselves mm-hmm. um but and my you ever... son my son's eating doritos and making noises while i'm trying to record a uh, podcast it's totally show. fine <laughs> he's like and... hey man hey my dad, he looked at me like it's, t- it's time for doritos <laughs> It doesn't matter. I don't care what kind of podcast you're on. I'm making, I'm eating Doritos. We digress. Let's keep going. Yeah. Uh, and uh, has anyone in the ring uh, gotten a little snug and you had to get snug back in a way that you didn't really enjoy having to do, but you know, you got to do it. Yeah. I mean, you'll, I mean, you, you get taught at an early time to um, always got to protect yourself. Um you know, so yeah, there's been times like that. I'm not gonna give. I'm not gonna give him a shout out because I don't want to give him a. I don't want to give him the you know the the happiness of knowing that they got to me. But yeah, sometimes that happens. You know, mm-hmm. you always gotta always gotta protect yourself. But the, it, it does happen a lot. And when you gotta give a shot back, what's your go-to move? What's your uh... for forearm? The forearm, straight just straight up forearm to the to the to the head, or you know, let letting them let it letting them know. It's time to relax. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, was there ever a time that uh, you were in the ring and you were legitimately surprised by a worker, uh, whether good or bad? Basically, either you heard, you heard great things about them and you worked with them and thought, oh, this is this guy. No, I don't like the way this guy works at all. Or opposite. Maybe you heard some bad things about someone and you worked with them and you were like, no, this dude's really good. I like the way he works. He's crisp. You know, that kind of thing. Surpri- and that I was surprised? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think one of the main. I remember wrestling uh, Jeff Cobb, one of the first times wrestling Jeff Cobb, and I and I, I just never. Re- I guess it was very shocking to me how just strong he was. Um, like he was literally like just you know the way he picked me up. I was like, holy crap, this guy's unbelievably strong. And his, you know, obviously amateur wrestling, so he has a, you know he had a very strong grip. But I think that was one of the major ones where I was like, wow, you know, it's um. Uh, yeah, you know, that he was like just not shocking me, but I was like, holy crap, he's he's a really good wrestler and he's um crazy strong. Yeah, I was watching uh, the other day, I was watching uh, one of the matches from Battle of Los Angeles and he like deadlifts a guy. He's like standing on the middle rope and the guy's mm-hmm. outside on the outside on the uh, apron and he just deadlifts him up into a superplex. And I'm like, what what are you like? What is yeah, this? <laughs> that is, he's he's that he's that strong. Yeah. Um, has a booker ever tried to stiff you on money? All the time. All the time. All and the how, time. And how do you react? How do you respond? What do you do? Uh, you, you, when, when, when that happens, you kind of just assess the situation, and you're like, you know, it's kind of like that part that that movie, uh, A Bronx Tale, uh, when you know, you know, when they're talking about how that guy owes you money, and you go and you try to keep asking for that money, or you just forget about him and and you know you're never going to you're that guy's never going to bother you because he, he owes you money he's going to avoid you so sometimes i'm just like okay do i want to come back here do i want to keep pursuing this and then i'm just like you know what screw it it's a crappy place i'm never going to wrestle here ever again so i just kind of like okay bye and i walk out and i we don't speak to each other ever again because he i know he's not going to call me up cuz he owes me money so, and, you know, sometimes I just kind of take like that, but it's sometimes, you know, it's a principle and I just kind of try to, you know, I keep going after the money. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And uh, what's the best mistake you ever made in wrestling? The best mistake? Yeah. Something that you did, it was a mistake that in your career, but it led to something great or it did something great for you. Oh, man, that's a tough one. Uh, the best mistake I ever did. I don't know. I don't know. That's a, that's a tough one. I'm going to have to think about that one. Okay. Um, that's, uh, what the, I mean, I guess, I mean, I, I guess you could say going to a meeting Roland was a mistake for all the, <laughs> all the crap that he put me through, but I guess it did, you know, it did bring, it did bring me to, uh, you know, it did a lot of, it, you know, it brought a lot of good things in my life. You know, that's how I met my wife was through wrestling. So I don't know. I guess, I guess just be meeting Roland. <laughs> all right. Uh, what's the hardest you've laughed at an indie show? Hmm. Probably when somebody like, just like, you know, does like a, you know, like a slip or something. I mean, not that he got injured, but just something like that where, you know, slips happen or, you know, <laughs> you know, just stuff like that. I don't really, I don't I'm trying to remember exactly where, you know, the situation, but I always, I always find like, you know, people falling, like slipping off stuff or falling off stuff. That's pretty funny. Has anyone basically, ever basically, basically like botchamania kind of stuff. I was oh, yeah. like, I always laugh, laugh stuff like that. Has anyone ever uh, made you break in the ring while you were in character? No, I'm always the one doing it to the other people. Oh yeah. What do you do to yeah. try to make them break? Just anything. And I mean, anything, anything that I can get my hands on, just any inside joke, any, any, you know, anything on the mic, anything I can say, anything, um, you know, there is, you know, there is the one, you know, one time I, uh, I was in wrestling for Portland and we would always cut promos in the back. And I remember there was one with Dr. Luther, uh, you know, from AEW, he was there and, you know, he, he used to always make me laugh. We were, we, we were always trying to make each other laugh and crack up in front of the camera. That's pretty much our, uh, that was, that was our, our get to our go-to. So wrestling took you a lot of places, uh, you know, around the country and beyond. Where did some, you know, any funny road stories you can recall? Anything, you know, there's wrestlers are kind of, you know, a different breed of people. And sometimes, you know, they act up a bit when they're around each other a lot. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of road stories, um, you know. Uh, I mean, there's stories that, you know, of, you know, rookies, you know, driving, you know, driving to Oregon. And, you know, we're all going to take turns and, you know, driving. And then I think, you know, one, one of the rookies, I think, drove for like 30 minutes and then he he uh uh he pulled the car over and said he couldn't drive anymore and then like i you know i was like oh it's my turn because i fell asleep i figured it was like four hours later and i look and i'm like dude you drove for 30 minutes and the guy and i look and the guy's just out cold passed out and we 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 didn't let we didn't let it up like the whole car ride it was just you know stuff like that but there's plenty of you know road stories you know all you know throughout you know, you know, I got to go to Mexico. There's plenty of stories over there. I got to go to Japan. There's plenty of stories over there. How was it going to Japan, you know, being a person who grew up, you know, watching Japanese wrestling? Uh, I mean, it's it's an amazing experience. You know, the wrestling in Japan is 100%, you know, different. It's totally, you know, completely different experience. Once you go there, the fans are very respectful, um, you know, and you get treated it's it's weird you get treated as a you know you get treated in a whole different uh limelight in a whole different everything just everything's different about it you know it's the way you get treated there is 
you know, you know, you you just get it's almost like you're respected as as a professional athlete there when you're a pro wrestler, which is kind of cool. And uh, you know, it's a great experience. Get I got to learn a lot, and uh, yeah, I will. I can't wait to go back. What was uh? Do you have any uh interesting stories with like, you know, translation difficulties? Uh, certain food. I used to do Bison Smith's website, and so we would talk all the time online about his trips to Japan. Uh, rest in peace, great guy. Uh, but he would always talk about like, you know, I think at one time he ate horse because he didn't know he was eating horse. Like a yeah. few things like that. Yeah, well, that's the thing was when you go there, you have to be very respectful to, you know, to the people there in Japan. So sometimes you get take, you know, you get you get taken out, um, and you know you gotta be, you know, whatever they put down on your on your plate, you gotta eat it. And I remember the, like the first day I was there, they, they must have. They, I was, like one after another after another they kept bringing more and more food and i was just like oh my god i'm gonna burst but uh you know you have to you know pay respects and uh actually eat pretty much everything that they, they put in front of you and i i still don't have no clue there's some fish there was octopus in there somewhere i don't i don't know who, what they were bringing me but i ate it i was like just just do it don't don't you know don't don't disrespect them because I, I don't want to do that the first day i'm there you know yeah and uh so you know, multiple countries, multiple states that you wrestled in. What's the worst gimmick you've seen at an indie show? The worst gimmick I've ever seen in an indie show. I remember the one of the first, like the first year I was uh, refing. I did, I, I refed. It was like a small little show, and there was a uh, an individual. He came out. Uh, you know, he was he looked like um kind of like gorgeous George. Um, like all flamboyant, you know, like a, you know, pink, you know, like, you know, pink boa, pink everything. <laughs> and his name, I, do, I still remember it was the funniest name ever. He was Superfly Jimmy Schnookum. <laughs> but, but he would come out like all flamboyant, like, and he was like, you know, like, I don't know if he was really gay, but he came out like it's a gay character. So that was a fun, I'm like, dude, that's so bad. I'm like, dude, why would you, why would you do that? It was so funny though. I couldn't oh, stop man. laughing, but I was like, "Man, why would you do that? You're gonna get, you're gonna get met." Like if Jimmy Fry, if Snooker really knew what you were doing, he'd be so pissed. Well, you obviously you've worked at shows that have name guys on there. You know, any former WWF, WCW, ECW, any guys that uh, you worked with, and like I said, you don't got to name names, but they thought they were bigger than the show. They acted like they were bigger than the show. Just, uh, just you know, any kind of like disrespect or anything like that from any guys who are quote bigger in the business. Oh yeah, I remember. I remember one time we did a show with uh, Virgil, from the uh, you know from, you know from Million Dollar Man. But at, th at this time he was Vincent from the NWO, and I remember he showed up, and he like looked at the list of all the wrestlers and the and the booking sheet, and he was like, I don't even know who half these fucking guys are. I'm the I'm the biggest star here, and I'm just kind of like, dude, like you're Vincent, <laughs> like you're like literally Virgil, and like I mean come on dude and he was just he kept saying like every like he was watching the matches saying oh this match sucks you guys don't know how to work and i was like oh my god please get this guy out of here was this in san jose it was at a it was like at a fair like a oh, fairgrounds fair. okay it was like because we it was like they didn't they didn't book we didn't book them it was like somebody booked us and like tatanka was there and mm. like but i was just remember like why is it he ended up wrestling Chris Ward, and he just basically just like squashed him. I was like, "What the heck? 
I'm like, dude, is, I go, is, like, Virgil thinks he's literally like Hulk Hogan. I'm like, dude, calm down. <laughs> Damn. Um, any uh, funny pranks or embarrassing stories? Any funny pranks or embarrassing stories? Uh, in, in, like, the, in, on, in pro wrestling, like, that I've yeah, done? Yeah, like, in the indie scene, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's there's plenty of pranks and you know and stuff. I yeah, I mean, there's always pranks that we used to pull on each other, um, you know. Just you know, but I mean, just if they're all inside jokes or stuff like that, or you know, you know, nothing. I mean, just you know, just normal stuff like we would do. Um, uh, you know. N- it was basically it was it was all inside jokes that we would try to make everyone crack up, but mm. nothing like nothing major like it's it's it would be too hard to explain to you guys about. Oh, yeah. it. Was there any uh, especially when you you know were in the business for a while and you were in the, with the same group of guys? Is there anything that you would you know any kind of ribs that you could pull on you know newer guys that were just starting out you know younger guys who were training or anything like that? Just, uh, I think uh, you know oh oh uh, any like if I ever wrestled anyone new that uh would like come up to me and start like you know telling me all these all these matches or all these moves they wanted to do i would basically just be like okay and then just don't just walk away and just not talk to them until like the very like right before my match started and they would just be freaking out because you know they want to call everybody call everything or discuss what the match is going to be and I'm just kind of just looking at him. It's like, oh, we'll just call in the ring. And I just walk away. And they were just, I can just tell, I can just see him from the other side just freaking out. <laughs> like, what the hell? What the hell? You know, being so afraid. And I mean, aren't you supposed to call the match if you're the person who's been in the business longer? You're supposed to. So that's why, to. you know, you know, when they come to me and I was like, how are you doing? I'm wrestling. To, oh, we're wrestling. And then they're like, okay, I want to do this. 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 And I'm like. All right. Okay. Okay. We'll discuss it later, and then I won't. I won't see him until like the very, the very like right before our match. Like I'll make sure to. I'll make it a, a conscious effort to disappear from him. <laughs> and they're just and they're just freaking out. There you go. I like that. Um. So I call this the touchy feely question of the of the group here. What's your pure joy in wrestling? Whether it be something that happens before the match, after the match, during the match, something that happens where. You know, you get the goosebumps. You love what's happening. You're like, this is why I fucking love this business. This is why I love wrestling. Uh, I think just getting the and just getting the, you know, the and the a match over. You know, whatever if whatever it is, if it's if it's my job to win and get booze, or if it's my job to get the other guy over. Um, you know, if if it if it actually happens and the fans you know appreciate it and and love it. That's I always, you know, I always like that, you know, just trying to get, trying, you know, getting the right, getting the reaction I wanted to get, um, and you know, and actually getting it is, you know, it's I think that's my favorite thing about pro wrestling. Very nice. Well, sir, that just about does it. I appreciate you being on the show. Please plug your Twitter and anything else uh, so that people can check you out. You're a great Twitter follow, by the way. Well, thank you. Uh, just at Snoring Elbow. If anything comes up, I you know right now it's so slow. I'm yeah. not wrestling. I'm not doing anything. Just yeah, follow me at Snoring Elbow, and then uh, you can you can laugh at my silly posts that I do. There you go. You know, because there's nothing. Nothing. I am wrestling right now. Nothing's happening. So unfortunately, that's what's going on. All right. Well, thanks again. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, man.